Amen. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. All right. I'm excited to get this one out. Amen. 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 So let's let's settle in. Let's settle in. Praise God. I've been um been reading a I've been reading a couple of books. I'm I'm an overachiever now. I didn't read for a lot of part of my life and now I'm trying to catch up. So um one of the books I'm reading is by A.W. Tozer. It's called The Root of Righteousness. And he talks about listening. And he says regarding listening, listen to this. He said, God will speak to the hearts of those who prepare themselves to hear. And conversely, those who do not prepare themselves will hear nothing even though the word of God has fallen upon their outer ears every Sunday. Good hearers are as important as good preachers. We need more of both. Wow. I'm going to try to be a good preacher. Can you guys try to be good hearers? Amen? Can I let you in on something I discovered on my own? You can't hear and be on Instagram. See, when I'm not preaching, I sit back there and I watch you guys. And it just amazes me how... So, so, so this is how I found this out. Because, you know, in the mornings I, I have a long commute into, into Manhattan and that's my time to feed myself. You know, because I'm a grown man, I have to feed myself. Amen? And so I listen to sermons and I listen to my favorite preachers and, and, and sermons and stuff. And, and I like to multitask because I'm kind of, you know, kind of a little bit ADHD, you know. Um, and so I found that, you know, I can do two things at once. I can, I can listen to a sermon and play a game. But I can't listen to a sermon and, and, and be on Instagram or Facebook. I tried. And so I'd be listening to a sermon. I'd put on one of the guys that I know that I enjoy the way he speaks. I enjoy the, the, you know, the way he brings the word. I enjoy his doctor, you know, that kind of thing. And so I'll put one of those on and then I'll start browsing, right? And, you know, like we do, just countless, just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and then I noticed that halfway through my commute I'm, I haven't caught anything this man is saying in my headphones and, I, and then you know what I do what I do I say man this dude blew it today on this one I blame the preacher I, that's what I did I'm a preacher and I blame I said man he, he missed it on this one he didn't grab me on this like he didn't kind of like he didn't have any substance I wasn't listening and I skipped that message the rest of it I said that's point dumb he, you, sorry you blew it bro 
Until I caught on and I said, wait a minute, what a dummy. I'm looking at Instagram and checking faith and saying, oh my God, I can't believe, you know, they put that. Oh my God, but these kids, oh my God, but, but whoa. I mean, okay, I don't know why she's rocking that on Instagram. But anyway, and, and how, and with all these conversations in my head, I can't listen to what's coming into my headphones through the preacher. And I blame the preacher. Can, can we not blame the preacher? Amen. I'll try my best, you do your best. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word, God. We thank you, Lord, that your, your, your word is alive and it's active, Lord God. And you can use anybody. You can use anybody and anything to speak to us, Lord God. But Father, help us to be ready to hear from you. Help us to be open and listening, Lord God. Father, help me today to be a good preacher. And help us today to be good hearers in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you're just joining us, we're in a series titled The Standard. And we've been going through the book of Romans and I believe God is calling out the church to go back to living according to his standard. And I can't say that enough and I can't get more excited every time I say it. God is calling us to walk according to his standards. But for so long, we've allowed the world to tell us, hey, Take it easy with that religious stuff. Hey, we need to compartmentalize, you know, keep that to yourself. And, and you know, we, you have to keep it real. And you have to, you know, we, you have to, you know we, we live in this world and, you know, things are... And, and so the, we've allowed the world to tell us to chill out. Calm down. Keep that to yourself. Nobody wants to hear it. And we've allowed the world to, and, 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 and you know, and then, and then we've allowed the world to put these doubts in, oh, can you really trust the Bible? Uh, I don't know. I mean, the Bible was written by man. Man is flawed, so obviously it's got to be mistakes. It's got to be messed up. And, and then we've allowed, you know, and then, you know, Oprah, come you know, her philosophy and her, well, she's very spiritual, right? She has, she's a millionaire. She's a billionaire, and she has very spiritual shows. And so what she says, she says, all religions lead to God. Everybody leads to God. And then we have pastors like Carl Lentz from Hillsong who interviews with, with, with Oprah and says, yeah, you know, the way I read the scripture, Jesus is a mile marker. He's a road marker that leads to Christ. Meaning, you know, it's just one of those signs. But no, the word says that Jesus is the door. It says that he's the way, the truth, and the light. It says that he's the gate. So no, sorry, Hillsong, he's not a marker. I'm sorry. He is the way or Jesus is crazy because he thinks he's the way. And so, see, that's why the Bible is so clear to us. The Bible never gives us the opportunity to say that Jesus is one thing or the other because he makes it clear, I'm the gate, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the light, I'm the door. He says, anybody that comes in any other way is a thief or a robber. So it gives us the, it removes from us the excuse to say Jesus was a good prophet. Like, like, like the Quran says. Jesus was a good prophet. And, and you, could, you could listen to him because he's, no, Jesus is either a lunatic, a liar, or he's Lord. Because he believes that he's the way. So he can't be a good prophet if he's lying. Amen? Alright, so I'm sorry I went off on a tangent there, but. I get upset with that one. So, <clears throat> Jesus isn't one way. God is calling the church 
Man, in today's time, I mean, we, I mean, we see the two clowns that we have running for president. We're in trouble. I'm not going to talk about that, but you know what I'm saying. Amen? We see the... So we know what, what I'm saying is we can't rely on the outside world to take care of things. We can't rely on this world to do the right thing for us. We can't rely on, on the leaders to, to do... Right? We have... The church has to be the light. The church has to live according to God's standards. Somebody has to take it and stand up for what's right and stand up for what's true. You know, God is calling the church to act and live and to be His standard. And listen, um, the Word of God tells us what His standard is. Colossians 4.12, that you may stand perfect, mature, and fully assured in the will of God. Any believers in here want to be perfect, mature, and fully assured in the will of God? The word says, Paul says in Colossians 1.28, we proclaim him admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. God wants you to be presented perfect in Christ. 1 Peter 1.5, it says, for just as he who called you is holy, so you be holy. Matthew 5.48 says, be perfect as your heaven father is perfect see god is calling us to a standard he wants his church to be mature to be holy and to be perfect not not a whole lot of amens god wants us to be mature to be perfect and to be holy you know why we're not clapping because we don't think we can do it i want to prove to you today that you can Amen? See, the word perfect here is it, it comes from the Greek word. It's the root word telos. And, and what that word means is not the perfect that we think about. What that word perfect means is complete. It means mature. It means we get the word telescope because it means to go to the end. God is calling us to go to the end, to be complete, to be mature, that we would finish well. Listen, when Jesus hung on the cross before he gave up his spirit, he said, It is finished. You know what word that is in the Greek? It is telos. Same word. He's saying your imperfections are finished in me. You are complete in me. You are perfect in me. It is finished. You are holy in me. Now listen church, does that mean we're always going to get it right? Can we do it perfectly? Probably not. Are we going to blow it? Loud, amen. Are we going to mess up? Yeah. Does that mean we have to lower our standard? No. We keep pressing on toward holiness. Amen. We cannot. We need to stop lowering the standards of God to meet the expectations of men. Lowering His standards to meet our shortcomings. I'm going to show you today in the scriptures how God isn't just calling us to be his standard. He's equipped us. He's given us everything we need to accomplish everything he's called us to be. Say prove it. Okay, I will. Not to be so demanding, but I will. 
Romans 1, when, when we talked about Romans 1, Paul was dealing with the Gentiles. And he's proving to men how corrupt we are. How our inclination is to be selfish, to, be, to look out for ourselves over everybody else. And he shows us since the beginning of man, man doesn't choose to be like God. Man wants to be God. Or at least we want to control God. Despite everything God gave us since the beginning, we want more and we want it our way and we want it in our time. And sometimes we pull away from God so hard and we, we talked about this. Sometimes God lets us go and he gives us over to our desires. And, and, and when he, God lets us go, how many you know we go so low that we go to the bottom and we keep digging? Anybody been there? Amen. Don't point at nobody. That's not nice. But we go so low because we're trying to get away from the presence of God. We're trying to get away from the love of God. And Paul tells us in Romans 1, we can't get away from God by leaving the church or by, by proving he doesn't exist because all of creation declares his glory. And so everywhere we look, every created thing, every creation reminds us that there's a creator and makes us think, how about this guy? No matter where we are. We're reminded all of creation declares his glory. Now, Romans 2, he turns to the Jewish believers in the church and he tells them, you're no better than anybody else. He turns to the religious people and he tells them, you're no better than them. Trying to live by the law doesn't make you any more righteous than anybody else. And he, he tells the church then, and he tells us today, either you're going to trust in your own goodness and your own good works, or you're going to trust in Jesus. Who are you going to be? Who are you going to be? You're going to trust in, in your goodness, or you're going to trust in Jesus? If you trust in your goodness, let me just let you know, and, and if you trust in your keeping the law, and that's what... Uh, 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 Paul was saying to, to, the, to the Jews of this time in, in that Romans 2, if you trust in your own goodness and you're keeping the law and keeping the commandments, some, some people in church think they can keep the commandments. We, we get so self-righteous sometimes. We think, yeah, we're pretty good people. We, we can do this. He's saying, if you're going to trust in your goodness, then you have to do it perfectly. You understand? There's no loophole. There's no way out. You have to do it totally perfect. James 2.10 says, Whoever keeps the whole law and stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Say guilty. See, the Jewish people were self-righteous about their law keeping and, and, and it, was, it, was, it was that, that you know, that's what they thought you know, would make them better than the Gentiles because God gave them the commandments. God entrusted them with the law. And so they thought, you know, we're better than you guys. God gave this to us. And, it, and Paul is saying that just makes you worse because you have the law. You had no excuse and you still couldn't keep it. That makes you worse. And so in chapter 2, he's telling the Jewish people and us, you're just as guilty when you pass judgment on other people because it proves how guilty you are because you know better. And, and Pastor Gary shared on this last week, when, when you, we judge somebody else, it just proves that we know better. And so it makes us even more guilty. And Pastor Gary did an awesome job last week breaking down chapter 2. He called it, it takes one to know one. And that's like, that's the whole message in entirety. It takes one to know one. When you judge other people, it takes one to know one. 
I know that's something we say as a kid, right? Your mother, well, it takes one to know one. You're ugly, it takes one to know one. You see, family, God gave us the law. He gave us the commandments to reveal His standard, His absolute righteousness, to convict us of all of our guilt before Him so that we would see our need for Him. So we wouldn't go through life blind thinking that we're good enough, thinking that, well, you know, we're going to do the best we can here and, and get by for what? For what? I can't explain one thing I can't explain is why God loves us so much. Any one of us, if we were in his role, I would have quit on humans a long time ago. Somebody say amen. I would have just made dogs. Amen? Right? Dogs just love you. Dog, you can kick a dog, he comes back and he still loves you. you. If you treat them right, they love you even more. They'll wait for you. They're just Dogs are so much better than people. Amen? I would have quit on people and just made dogs. They're faithful. But instead, God is fully invested in you and me. He created us in His image. He wants us to understand how dark it can be without His light. And so He says, to dwell and to rest in the light of my presence, you have to be holy. God is saying, I'm holy. For you to be in my presence, you have to be holy. That's how he intended it in the beginning. That's before the fall, before sin. He intended it that way. So with the law and the commandments, God is telling us I'm holy. I'm not almost holy. I'm not a little holy. I'm not mostly holy. I am holiness. God says I am. And so I can't accept anything less than perfect holiness. It's like darkness trying to live in the light. Have you ever turned on a light in a dark room? And some darkness lingered? It can't. You, you ever thought about it? Like, it can't. Like, you turn on the light and it, some darkness stayed in. Oh, man, I'll try this again. No, it, there can't be light and dark in the same place. Isn't that amazing? And so it, it, it's a picture of the holiness of God. We can't, well, let's keep a little dark. Put on the light. I got a little darkness right here. No, because as soon as you go look at the darkness, it's light. It, it can't dwell in, in the same place, amen? So, <clears throat> so why would God give us a set of laws that we couldn't possibly entirely keep consistently? Anybody ever ask that? Why would He set a standard that on our own we can never reach? I'm glad you're asking those questions because it's to show us how much we need a Savior. It was to demonstrate His love for us. Amen? So in Romans 1 and 2 and 3, Paul is the prosecuting attorney. My, my wife is stuck on these law shows, and so I watch them with her. And so I start thinking everything in law. And, 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 and so, and so if, we look at, if we look at Romans this way, Paul is the prosecuting attorney. And he builds the case, and he proves to the court, you are all guilty. You're guilty. You don't have a leg to stand on. You have no credible alibis. You have no credible witnesses to prove anything different. All of the evidence is stacked against you. Listen, every lie you ever told has been recorded and submitted into evidence. Every bochinche you ever spread. Every bad word you ever spoke. 
I know some of you are real holy, but, but at one point you hit your toe on the bed. That word that you let out, recorded. And recorded. You said, but I never cursed, but that one time, it was just that one toe. You know that toe. You hit that one toe and all of, all of hell comes through you for, for the moment. You, you know. Paul is saying, I recorded that. I have that on you. You want to play the tape? Everything you ever, every bad word, every infidelity, every act of disobedience, every rumor you ever spread, every bad report you ever believed, every time you doubted God, I submit it all to the courtroom. It's right here. Here's the case that's stacked against you. You're guilty. Are you going to be that guilty one that tries to fight it to the end? No, man, no, 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 bro. Listen, I know what it looks like on the videotape. I know that sounds bad, but what had happened was, I know, I know, right? Are you going to be that guy? Who are you going to be? I found this Latin phrase in, in another book that I'm reading. I love this thing. I'll probably tat it on my neck, but let's not talk about that. Um, esse quam videri. It means to be rather than seem to be. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? It means to be rather than appear to be. This time of the year, all you hear is kids and many adults asking each other, who are you going to be? Right? Regarding Halloween. So who are you going to be? How many of you said that this week? Or heard that this week? So, so who are you going to be? And that's the, the conversation with the kids and, and a lot of adults. And it's, it's crazy sometimes that the, the extremes that we'll go to to be someone that we're not for one day. Ooh, can I talk about it? See, I can, I can dress up like Superman. And I can get the most expensive costume, the one that comes with the swollen arms. The chest and the, the, the six-pack. And I can wear my underwears on top of my tights and I can put on my wife's tall red boots. And I can wear a long flowing cape, right? And I can appear to be Superman. But I can't really be faster than a speeding bullet. I, I'm not more powerful than a locomotive. I'm not able to jump tall buildings in a single bound. So who am I fooling? And I, I can't bend steel and I can't bounce bullets off my chest. I can wear a cape, but I can't really fly. Halloween just reminds me of how many are pretending, masquerading as things that they're not. Honestly, I think there are too many people gathering in churches all over the city on Sunday, masquerading as Christians. Appearing to be Christians by sewing up in churches, but if you're not really living like a Christian, then you're like Superman on Halloween. You have no power. Esse quam videri, to be rather than appear to be. Now, can, can I talk to you about Halloween real quick? It's October 23rd, it's coming. Can I, can I just talk to you real quick about it? At the risk of offending some of you. At the risk of getting some of you upset. At the risk of some bad emails. 
Let me see who's going to get the emails. Send emails, any emails, you have a problem with this, just send emails to Ephraim at sanctuaryfellowship.org. I promise I'll read them. So I'm glad you said yeah, because I was going to do it anyway. As your pastor, let me just say, I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm, I'm, I'm not here. I, my, my job, my role is to kind of just help the body of Christ stand and be mature. Amen. And so my job description I found in Ephesians 4.12 is to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's my job. So I just want to give you the tools to equip you to deal with things that you have to deal with to do the work that God's called you to do. Amen? Can we do that? Halloween is just one of these things that we have to deal with in some way because it's so prevalent, right? It's everywhere. You can't walk down the street without seeing goblins and ghouls and decorated houses. And, and how many of you in your neighborhoods do you have where they play the music? <laughs> All day. Like, really? I just want to look for the cable and cut that joint. I don't know what happened. Let me kind of give you, I'm not going to give you the background on Halloween. You want to just Google it like you Google everything else. You want to know the origin, Google it. Okay? But let me just tell you how kind of we got here. Historically, as Christianity moved through from Rome and, you know, through Europe, uh, what, what happened was it, it, Christianity collided with a lot of the indigenous pagan cultures all around. <laughs> and so it, it collided with their confronted customs that people had. And so pagan holidays and festivals were so entrenched and so part of the culture that the new converts, the new Christians found them to be a stumbling block to their faith. Let me give you an example. As Hispanics, part of our culture is a lot of um, Catholic, you know, Catholic um, saint worship, right? And so that's just part of our culture. So that's something that's part of us. And so when we, when we become Christians, when we get to the, and start to read the real word of God, it doesn't matter that, that we don't find that in there. That's still kind of part of our culture. And so you have many Christians that serve God and still rock a saint on their neck. Why? It's part of our culture. You understand? Is it biblical? No. Not at all. Could it be anti-biblical? Check your book. Right? It goes back to who you're going to be. So anyway, so they, they, they found that these big festivals and pagan holidays were, were, it made it a stumbling block for them. So what the early Christians did to, to deal with this problem, the organized church commonly would move a Christian holiday to the spot on a calendar to challenge a pagan holiday. This is historic, okay? And so, and so what, what happened was the intent was to counter pagan influences and provide a Christian alternative. What ended up happening that didn't really work out too well, we ended up Christianizing pagan rituals. Too much? So the ritual was still pagan, but now it was mixed with a lot of Christian symbolism. And that's what happened to All Saints Day. That's the day after Halloween. It was, it's a day supposedly to remember martyrs and to remember the saints. Saints not being Santa Barbara, saints being us, the people of God are saints, right? And so uh, it, it was a day to remember them and to honor them and whatever. And so that was the original Halloween alternative. And so it, many, many say the same thing could be said about the dates for Christmas. Christmas falls on the same, by the same pagan holiday as winter solstice. 
and and uh, and Easter. Our Easter holiday falls on the same uh, time frame as the Wiccan spring equinox. So in one holiday they're worshiping the moon, another holiday they're worshiping the sun, and then the Christians there have Christmas and Easter. And we got these Christian holidays right on the same days or the same time frames. And so people could tell you, you know, I mean, all these things are pagan. All these things originated from pagan. But here's the difference. Let me give you the difference. The difference is we don't celebrate on the 25th. We don't celebrate winter solstice. We celebrate Christmas, the birth of our Savior. On Easter, we don't celebrate the spring equinox and worship the sun or the moon for a day. We celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. However, when it comes to Halloween, we don't celebrate All Saints Day. We celebrate Halloween. Is there anything redeemable or worshipable in Halloween? You guys, this is so quiet in here. You, you, <laughs> this is worse than my other one. You guys decide. Is there anything redeemable or worshipable in Halloween? Now, let's be honest though. Let's be real honest about it. I know some of you love this day. You love it. You throw parties. You, you love this thing. You, you can't wait. You spend a lot of money that you don't have on costumes and dressing up. And you go to clubs that you can't afford. And you go to parties and throw things that you don't have the money for. But, be, but you can't pass this up because this is, you like this so much. I'm sorry. But can we be honest with ourselves? We're in church, amen? We're here to hear the truth, amen? Okay, good. So is there a lot of demonic activity and a lot of witchcraft associated with this day? Absolutely. Is the practices that we do for fun with our kids, do they, are they entrenched in really bad pagan rituals? Like bobbing for apples, like carving out jack-o'-lanterns. How many, isn't that like a real fun thing to do with the kids? It's so fun. Everybody's great. You know what that originated from? Inside you would carve out the Halloween, the the jack-o'-lantern so that you would put the entrails of the person that was sacrificed. Enjoy yourselves when you do that next week with the kids. Have fun. So, it's, so but, but, but it's so part, it's so entrenched in us and it's so part of culture and we let the world tell us what to do. But we are not of this world. Amen? I might have four Christians in here next week. So, is this all still active and happening today? Yes. True story, my friend just told me this last week. He was walking past the cemeteries on East Tremont. I don't know if I'm pointing the right way, but you know where East Tremont is. That way, that way, right? He was walking by the cemeteries on East Tremont. This was last week. And as he turned the block, he felt, you know when you get that moment and all the hairs on your head stand up and he felt weird and he felt like, whoa, whoa, he's a Christian. And so he turned the block and he felt strange, but I mean, he had to keep going because his house is on the other side. So he has to walk past. And so he, he kept on walking. As he approached the entrance to the cemetery, he saw the most horrific sight. The entire entrance to the cemetery was covered in blood. This is not a dream. This is a real story. The entire entrance was covered in blood. There was a ritual that was thrown. Somebody had done a ritual in the middle of the night there at the entrance to the cemetery. And so it was splashed in blood. There was candles. There was all kinds of occultic type of things. There was a rooster, a dead rooster. And then right in the center, there was the head of a pig. (coughs) 
The enemy is still very alive and active and practicing. And around this season, it's even more intensified. you know why there's increased activity during this season? Because those that are in it are empowered by the day. And because those of us that are not are entertained by it. So when we use it as entertainment, we empower it as well. And we're affected as well. And we come under it as well. Now, do we have to be afraid? Do we have to be scared? Do we? No, my friend walked right past that thing. I mean, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the You could put dead chickens. You could, put, you could cover the whole front of this block with pigs and chickens. And that'll just be more work for our ushers to clean up. Thanks a lot. We're not going to stop having church in this building. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's not, that's not going to, we're not freaking out. It's going to be nasty. But, 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 but then, but then, but then the question is though, can we stand on the authority and the power and the protection of God while we masquerade as something that we're not? We're witches and demons and ghouls. Who are you going to be, church? And some people say, and, and rightly so, they say, listen, the, the devil gets no holidays. Every day is God's day. Amen. Amen. That's a strong Christian thing to say. Amen. The devil gets no holidays. 100% truth. But yet Christians are dressing up their kids like devils and witches for fun. And they're decorating their houses with tombstones and jack-o'-lanterns. And, and they're going out to clubs that are covered in occult symbolism. Who's winning there? Whose day is it then? 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, What fellowship can light have with darkness? What fellowship? Even get ready, bro. The emails are coming. I see people writing already. As a backup, send it to Lou at sanctuaryfellowship.org. In case that box gets full, there's a second email. I, I just I want you guys to be connected. Amen. Now, now listen, not, I'm not judging nobody. Please don't, don't come don't think I'm like judging you and I'm coming and condemning you. Listen, some people choose to redeem the day and they'll have safe parties for their kids who dress up as superheroes and princesses and, and, and they don't have any evil references. And we've even here, we've done harvest festivals where we provided the day for the neighborhood kids to come in all dressed up and some of them came like witches and demons and whatever, but we gave them candy anyway and we loved on them anyway. And so we can redeem the day. We can, some people give out tracks with their candies I just encourage you put, make sure there's candy because if you give out a track only they're going to egg your house because listen at the end of the day we have to still be who we are and we're called to be the light of the world somebody say amen and this light does not have an on off switch so should I, as your pastor, dress up as a vampire or some demonic creature and just for fun, just for that day, appear to be something other than who I am? Who are you going to be, church? Hashtag the standard. God set the standard so high that only He can meet it. And so here's what He does. Listen. Romans 3, I'm closing. Romans 3, Paul switches gears by explaining that the righteousness that the law was powerless to give us, God gave us in His Son. 
So one and two, he says, God gave us this law. And if we, if we mess up just one little piece of that law, we failed and we're guilty and we're condemned and we can't make it. We can't be good enough. We can't be holy enough. And so God set the standard so high that only he can meet it. And so in, in Romans chapter three now, Paul switches gears and he goes from the prosecuting attorney. Now he becomes the defending attorney. And he says, what the law was powerless to give us, God gave us in his son. Each one has sinned and stands under the condemnation of God as a result of it. And no one can change his status through his own efforts. So the righteousness that we need can't be obtained by our efforts. Can some of you just chill for a moment? You can't be good enough. You can't pray enough. You can't read the word enough. You can't listen to enough sermons. You can't go to church enough. You understand? You can't earn this righteousness that God gives us. This righteousness, Romans 3, 22 to 24, it says this way. This righteousness comes from God through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified. Listen, that's such a key word. I mean, you got to hear this. And are justified freely by the grace of through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. This is the basis now for understanding the rest of the book of Romans. Since the law was set up to condemn us, which it did perfectly, God's solution was to justify us by taking away the charge of the law. Here's what we need to get about righteousness and justification. Listen, listen. If you didn't hear anything else, listen. Because this is bigger than what most of us understand. What the world is saying, what the word is saying here is, is that when we put our faith in Christ, just by believing, the only action that we do is believing, having faith. That's the only thing that we're called to do. By having faith in Christ, what the word is saying here is that it, it not only forgives our sins, but it erases them like they were never there. Listen, this is amazing. This is good stuff. So it's as if when, we're, when we receive this forgiveness from God, when we, when we believe, He gives us this righteousness, this justification that makes it as if we never did anything wrong. But there's more. That would be great, but there's more. Because the law says that we have to do the right things. And so just by not doing anything wrong would not qualify us to be holy to be righteous it wouldn't allow us to meet the law so what god did was not only his forgiveness wipes us clean so like we never did anything wrong it changes the scale as if we always did everything right that's what righteousness and justification does do you understand do you get that so it's not, it, it's better than God forgave you and wiped out your sins. He actually forgave you, wiped out your sins and justified you so that you can meet the law saying you did everything right. And some of you can say, well, I've, I've done some bad things, man. I don't understand. But, but I mean, that's the unbelievableness of God. He says, when you believe in me that I sent my son, Understand, God can't deal with sin so much. He hates us so much that he had to crucify his son. He loves us so much that he crucified his son. So you understand, like God couldn't bypass. God couldn't say, I love you so much, like we do with our kids. Listen, I love you so much that I'm going to, it's okay. 
I know you did this. I love you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to overlook what you did. Like we do with our kids. I'm going to overlook. What, don't do it again. But I'm going to overlook. What you, because I love you. God says I can't overlook sin. Sin has to be paid for. I can't let you in if you're not holy. You have to be holy. I can't deal with you in unrighteousness. You have to be righteous. You have to be perfect. So God says, so I'll make you perfect. I love you so much, I'll make you perfect. If, 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 we, just, if we just took a day in a retreat or in our room somewhere to just reflect on that, man, it would change our walk. All of a sudden, it wouldn't be so hard to live for God. All of a sudden, it wouldn't be so hard to give up stupid things like these parties or these whatever or, or wearing a mask. It's like, God, you, you took all the masks off me. You unmasked me. You knew me in my dirtiest. And you covered me. You put on your righteousness. <laughs> Worship team, come on. The law requires full obedience, so it wouldn't be good enough if we just never sinned. What God did for us in Christ is just, it's if, as if we always obeyed. I read a, a thing that says, forgiveness takes away our filthy rags. Justification gives us a change of clothes. <laughs> you like that one, right? That was good. New clothes. New clothes, church. Who are you going to be? And that's why we can meet the standard of God because He's equipped us to meet it. That's why we can stand perfect, mature, fully assured in the will of God, Colossians 4.12. That's why we can present everyone perfect in Christ, Colossians 1.28. That's how we can be holy in all that we do because He is holy, 1 Peter 1.15. That's how we can be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect, 5.48. Look what it says in 2 Peter 1.3. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and for godliness. God's divine power has given you everything you need for life and for godliness. It's time we switch the way we look at God. Amen? We can live according to His standard because He's equipped us to be His standard. We've looked at God for so long as this old man that's angry at us, looking to punish us and if we don't do everything just right, he's mad and then we're separated from God. But it's not the picture God gave us. John 3.17 said, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save us. So who are you going to be, church? I'm going to invite you to worship in a moment. I'm going to do something I don't normally do and it's not because of anything in particular because to me, I, I, just, I just believe it's more than a sinner's prayer. It's more than, than, than coming up one time and saying this prayer. It, it, the Word says if we believe. So I'm going to call you here. Those that are listening online, those that are here today, I'm going to give you the opportunity to choose faith. I want to give you the opportunity to believe. 
I'm going to ask you today, who are you going to be? God says you can be perfect. God says you can be holy. God says you can be forgiven. He says you can be washed clean. He says you can be brand new in Christ. You can be a new creation. If, if, if somebody here needs that, if you haven't made that choice, I'm not going to ask everybody to close their eyes. I'm not going to ask everybody to bow their heads because there's nothing to be ashamed of. If that's you and you're receiving that, let's stand. Saying, I need that. I need that. Let's worship. Let's worship. If you need to come forth, come forth, man. If you need to come forward, if you've never done this before, if you've never made that real decision to say, God, I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to believe in you. And I'm going to receive that righteousness. Would you kind of come forward? Pretend that it's here. You can do it any way you want. But let's let's just kind of, sometimes we got to move. Amen? Sometimes we got to step out. So I'll just invite you to step out of your seats. If you've never done that before, step out of your seat and come forward and say, God, I receive your righteousness. Amen. Let's welcome them. Come on. Let's celebrate. I receive your righteousness. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your completeness. I receive your holiness today. Teach me. Listen, there's one prayer that we can always ask God. God says, ask me for wisdom and I'll give you wisdom. So when you leave here, all the questions that you might have that we haven't answered, just ask God for wisdom and I promise you He'll meet you. I promise you He'll give you wisdom. We celebrate with you today. Come on, let's, let's rejoice. Come on, church.